Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Exodus on what motivated God to come and deliver his people from the Egyptians. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org is where we make all of Tom Cantor's messages available from the Friendship with God radio program for free downloading, free viewing, free listening. We also have other free resources that are available at the website, friendshipwithgod.org, where you can watch Tom Cantor's teaching on video, as well as read some of Tom Cantor's helpful resources and materials that will help you grow in your faith and strengthen your friendship with God. Now, as we've been studying on Thursdays and Fridays, the book of Exodus, Moses was known as the meekest man on the earth, but he was also a deliverer of the Jewish people. And that shows us that it's not about our abilities, but that it's about our obedience and helping to give out the gospel to our lost and dying world and those that are enslaved in the world system and bondage to sin, just as the Jewish people were stuck, but God heard his people. And he'll talk, Tom Cantor will teach about that today. But you can help to deliver the lost Jewish people just like Moses and free them from bondage and sin. You can do that by giving them a free gospel gift from Israel Restoration Ministries of Tom Cantor's testimony in book and on DVD. Millions of copies have gone out around the world from the United States to Israel to South America. And we provide that to you free as long as you'll give it to a lost Jewish person and help deliver them, God's people, from their sin and their bondage. So it's free. We can give that to you or we can send it directly to them. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or after the program, you can give us a call or you can go to our friendshipwithgod.org website. And there at friendshipwithgod.org, you can fill out an online form that will help us to get a gift mailed to them or mailed to you so that you can give that directly to them and help free them from bondage and sin, just like Moses did. Now today, we've got a great message from Tom Cantor about my people. That's the Jewish people, as God said about his people, my people, that he'll be teaching us about today. So enjoy the message, and here's Tom Cantor. Hello, and welcome again to our study in this wonderful book of Exodus. Let's look to God in prayer. Again, Lord, we understand that you are the one, the only one, who can open our eyes so that we can see wondrous things out of your law. And so this day we pray, Lord, open our spiritual eyes that we might see our wonderful Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you turn in your Bibles to in the book of Exodus, uh, we'll just focus in now on the passage we're going to study, which is Exodus chapter 3, and we'll start reading in uh, verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
Now, when we look at this passage here, and particularly focusing on verse 7, we see here what was it that motivated God to come to deliver his people from the Egyptians. It's very significant how God expresses himself, how he says that what it was that he found about how his people were being treated that motivated him to take this action of what he says is to come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. We see this in verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. In this verse, God expresses a very intimate knowledge, a close knowledge, a first-at-hand knowledge of what was happening to his people. In our last study, we saw how it was the first time that God calls these Jewish people, my people. Well, here, he's now expressing, it's like he's coming out of himself when he says these words, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. God said that he had seen. No. God didn't just say he'd seen. God said that he had surely seen what was going on. Literally, the Hebrew is reading like this. I have seen, I have seen. There's a double emphasis. It's said twice there. Just like in the very beginning of this whole passage in verse 4, when God went to call Moses, he said, Moses, Moses. He didn't use his name twice in order to emphasize the great importance. And so here again, we find God emphasizing by saying twice the great importance to what he has seen. I have seen, I have seen. It's a serious situation. It's an important situation with God, and he emphasizes it. And this is really getting at what is motivating God, what it is that is causing him to take this unprecedented action. Because what does he see here? He sees what he calls the affliction of my people, the affliction. It's a very interesting word, affliction, the word oni in Hebrew. It's a word that is used especially to describe the condition or the state of the Jewish people in Egypt. This is what God has seen. This is what has really captured God's attention. It has disturbed him. It has motivated his heart. It's this word affliction, oni. And the word has a meaning, a root meaning, that means to look down on or to browbeat. It's a state really described probably best by our word depression. It's a depression to the point of hopelessness. This word, oni, affliction here, really describes what the Jewish people felt like when they were in the vice of the Egyptians, and that they had been in this pressure for so long, they were just worn down. They were just worn out. They were just brought to a place where their will was broken, and they no longer had a will to live. This is encapsulated in the word oni, affliction, depression, the way the Jewish people felt there. Because they had gone through this slavery, and we've seen that the slavery got harder and harder, and the Egyptians came across as more and more heartless, and it was described as a bitter affliction. During the Passover ceremony, God instituted in uh, Exodus, 
He said that they should eat every year bitter herbs, horseradish, to symbolize the bitterness that the Egyptian people put onto the Hebrew people, driving them into the state of depression. Because it was now clear to the Jewish people that the Egyptian people had no heart at all, no compassion at all for the plight of the Jewish people. The Jewish people now had come to the understanding that they would never rise up from under the hand, as God called it, of the Egyptians. They would never come out from the oppression of the Egyptians. They were forever consigned to this horrible state of being under the heel of people who hated them and wanted to destroy them. The Jewish people now understood that there was no hope No hope of getting out from under the Egyptians. The Jewish people now understood that the Egyptians had no interest at all in letting the Jewish people eventually coexist, live together, to live as servants under the Egyptians. That was not the interest of the Egyptian people. Because now the Jewish people understood that the Egyptians were determined to carry out a slow but definite, resolute, final solution for the Jewish problem in Egypt. The slow extermination of the Jewish people. And they knew this. And now that this realization has set in on the Jewish people, it's left them in this state that's described here by this word oni in verse 7, which translated for us affliction. It's a state of being cast down. It's a state of darkness. It's a state of extreme sadness and sorrow. It's a state of depression. So using the root word of depression for the word affliction, in verse 7, we could read it like this. And the Lord said, I have seen, I have seen the depression of my people, their heartless condition. And seeing his people, God seeing his people in this state of depression was a great concern for God. And it's motivated him now to take action. And we can understand from this verse that when God sees his people, when God sees anyone, when God sees us in a state of depression, it's a great concern for God, a great concern for God. Why? Because God's not the God of depression. He's not. The devil, Satan, he's the God of depression. He's the God of discouragement. He's the God of darkness and sadness and grief and so forth. But God, he's the God of happiness. God is the God of joy. And that's why when God describes the ideal situation of what's going to happen, and he has this vision for the Jewish people for when he comes back and returns to their capital, Jerusalem, he describes what it's going to be like in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 3, where the Lord says, For thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. See, this is God's vision. This is who God is, because this is what he wants. And his vision for Jerusalem is that, first of all, he'll return to Jerusalem to live there. He's, as he puts it there, to dwell in the midst, to shachan, 
Same word which is used for the tabernacle, the mishkan, a dwelling place. is what it says in Exodus 25.3. Let them make me a dwelling place, a shikan, a mishkan, a tabernacle. Let them make me a dwelling place that I may dwell among them. God wants to. And so here he's describing the time when he comes and returns and dwells in Jerusalem to live there. He unpacks his bag there. And he says, Jerusalem is going to be called at that time a city of truth. That will be the place where all nations will flow to find the truth of God. And he says, Jerusalem will be a holy city. And then he said, there'll be so much joy. There'll be so much happiness there that the streets, he says, are going to be full of boys and girls playing in the street. That makes God very, very happy. That vision of streets full of boys and girls playing in the street. Not grumpy drivers saying, can't you keep your kids out of the street? But no, God says, let them play, let them play. This is wonderful. Streets full of boys and girls. Because that's what God loves. God's a God of joy. He's a God of happiness. Job describes God in Job 8.21 when it says, Till he fill thy mouth with laughing and thy lips with rejoicing. God loves a good belly laugh. God loves laughing. Why? Because laughing reflects joy. Laughing reflects freedom and the ability to be able to laugh. What the Egyptians had done to the Jewish people is taken away their ability to laugh. As Job says, till he fill thy mouth with laughing and thy lips with rejoicing. No laughing, no rejoicing, just oni, just affliction, just depression. And God doesn't like that. And so he wants to fill, he wants to fill mouths with laughing and fill lips with rejoicing. So what's the opposite? of laughing and rejoicing is depression. And that's the state that he saw his people in in verse 7 when he says, I've seen the affliction or depression of my people. It's this deep sense of darkness. And it comes over our soul. And as it comes over this deep sense of darkness, this cloud, it brings with it a great sense of sadness. And then there's the pull of it. And the pull is to pull lower and lower and lower into the pit of darkness. That's depression. That's what depression is. And we are to respond to depression as God wants us to respond to depression by understanding God didn't give us that. That did not come from God. That came from the other God, the God of depression, Satan. And what we are to do with Satan is described in James 4, 7, where he said, resist the devil and he will flee from you verse says, submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So when those clouds of depression come over our souls, that's the time to remember Exodus 3, 7. I have seen, I have seen the depression of my people. Then from what follows in Exodus 3, we're going to see how God did something. He didn't just sit there and just say, oh, I got a report now. I see the report of my people are depressed. But he went into action. And this is an account of God flying into action because he saw the depression of his people. What was the action that God flew into? He calls Moses. And so for the people, they should understand help is on the way. And the people had to wait for God's help and resists the depression in the meantime until God's help in the person of Moses arrive. Now, we all have those clouds of depression. Some of us comes over more often. Some of it's a chemical imbalance in our bodies. Sometimes it's a situation. doesn't matter. It all comes as the same clouds of depression, and they come over our souls, and God calls on us to resist them, to resist them. This happened to me yesterday. Just yesterday, I was totally broadsided. 
I had no idea that I was in for a cloud of depression, but it happened, and I didn't see it coming. You know, I had gone back for my six-month checkup with the oncologist at the beautiful Morris Cancer Center at the University of California, San Diego. And the outside of this building is, ah, it could win awards. It's beautiful facade of glass on the side of the building, beautiful ceramic tiles, curved building, beautiful. You walk inside the building, there's beautiful terrazzo floors of different colors. And so my guard was kind of down. I'm thinking, oh, beautiful, beautiful. I'd been there many times. But as soon as I walked into that building, I saw the sign-up desk for the chemo infusion. And I looked down the hall and I saw the patients sitting there waiting for their name to be called so they could get one of the chairs for the chemo infusion. And I knew those doors because I'd all too often had went through those doors and they led into the room and I knew the layout of the room and I remember the chemo chairs and I remember when I went through that six months of chemo and it just came upon me like a flood. The memory of the six months of chemo that brought me so close to death that I stopped Two months short, it was an eight-month course, and I said, no, I can't do any more of this. It's going to kill me. So I stopped after six months. But seeing that chemo infusion sign-up desk there, it just reminded me of seeing all those patients. I remember those patients coming through those beautiful glass doors, having the ambulance pull up, the stretchers coming out, the patients lying on the stretchers already close to death, and then going into those infusion doors and the patients receiving the chemo. I remember being in the chemo room and seeing those patients crumpled up like crumpled up pieces of paper in the chairs, their bodies trying to endure the poisonous chemos that were raging through their veins, burning up their veins, destroying the flow of blood, as we sadly found out later, in many cases, because of the chemo. And it reminded me, as I looked at all the side effects, and I'm still fighting from the chemo, and all those scenes of death and the dying within the beautiful building, and all the looking around the building, and not like our clinic down in Takati, no scripture plaques on the walls, no Bibles on any of the tables for you're sitting down. It just had all the warmth of beautiful, cold, stainless steel. And a cloud of depression just moved over my head, like happens to all of us. And I told my wife, I just felt so low, so down, so sad, so dark, so depressed. It was after 9 p.m. I wanted to call my friend to talk about it, but I thought I might be asleep, so I didn't. And I felt so down, and I, I wanted to resist the cloud of depression. But with the sadness, I couldn't even open my Bible and read it. I couldn't even read my Bible. So what did I do? I decided to sit down and just listen to the words of the beautiful hymns. And as I sat there and listened to the music and listened especially to the words, and I thought about those words as I was listening to them, and those words just healed me. They healed me. They were like a cleansing flood that just washed over me. Listening to the words of the hymns was like standing under a waterfall of pure water that just washed the sadness away. As I listened and I thought about those words, great words. Here's some of the words that I was listening to, healing words. Here they are. Every voice and heart is swelling. Worthy is the lamb slain 
when we see thee as a victim nailed to the accursed tree, for our guilt he were stricken, for our judgment borne by thee. Lord, we all with hearts adoring, thou hast loved us unto blood. Glory, glory everlasting be to thee, the Lamb of God. There is a fountain open for my cleansing, where sin's atonements by my Lord was made. He was the lamb that was led to the slaughter. His blood the fountain where my debt was paid. Open for me, the precious cleansing fountain was open for me. I know a name, a wonderful name. I know a name that can drive away all sorrow. I know a name that is sweeter than them all. I know a name from which comfort I may borrow. When trials come and when tears of anguish fall, I know a name, that wonderful name, that wonderful name is Jesus. Beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand. The shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land, a home within the wilderness, a rest upon the way, from the burning of the noontide heat and the burden of the day. There's a sweet and blessed story of the Christ who came from glory just to rescue me from sin and misery. He in loving kindness sought me, and from sin and shame he brought me. Hallelujah, Jesus ransomed me. Arise, my soul, arise. Shake off thy guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice on thy behalf appears. Before the throne my surety stands. My name is written in his hands. Safe in the arms of Jesus, safe on his gentle breast, there by his love o'ershaded, sweetly my soul shall rest, safe in the arms of Jesus, safe from corroding care, free from the bite of sorrows, free from doubts and fears. He was wounded for our transgressions, he bore our sin in his body on the tree. For our guilt, he gave us peace. From our bondage, gave release, and with his stripes our souls are healed. Alas, and did my Savior bleed and my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for crimes that I had done he groaned upon the tree? Amazing love, amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. He left his Father's throne above. So free, so infinite his grace. Emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain for me who him to death pursued? No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold, I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. And as I thought on those words and others like it, the cloud lifted. It just lifted. And then my friend called, which is even a further encouragement. That's how God lifts the clouds. That's how he takes depression away, darkness away, sending help, in this case through these hymns and through the phone call of my friend later on that night. Exodus 3, 7. 
And the Lord said, I have surely seen, or I have seen, I have seen the depression of my people. And after he sees the depression of his people, he acts to bring them out of the depression by sending Moses. After God sees our depression, he sends relief so that we can sing with the song. It's just like Jesus to roll the clouds away. It's just like Jesus to keep me day by day. It's just like Jesus all along the way. It's just like his great love. Thank you for joining us today. And we've been studying every Thursday and Friday our teaching from the book of Exodus. But on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we've been studying the book of Genesis. And Tom Cantor has now put together a four-disc DVD set of the Genesis teaching series. We've got four sets and four series available. That's 48 messages, 12 messages per series. And each one has just got a dynamic message on it. And we want to make that available to you. And it is now on our website, friendshipwithgod.org, under the Tom Cantor Resources with our bookstore. And it's $19.99 for a four-disc set of this DVD teaching series of Tom Cantor. You think he's dynamic on the radio? You'll enjoy him on video. He's very inspirational, uh, a very animated teacher. You'll love these DVD sets. We've got four series for you, and each series has 12 teaching messages on it. Again, available for $19.99 on the bookstore. Uh, You can pick that up there, as well as many other Tom Cantor resources that we have posted online. So go to friendshipwithgod.org, pick up some Tom Cantor resources today, and you'll enjoy them. Now, we also have a free gift that we give out from Tom Cantor. It's his life story on DVD and in booklet form. It is available free for lost Jewish people, people that you know or friends or family that you know or have that need to be reached with the gospel. It's a unique Jewish gospel presentation, and it's not just the Romans road. So this is something that a Jewish person is going to really respond well to. Another Jewish person who's responded to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah. So please go to our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Fill out the online form. It's available right on the homepage. You just click on the sign up and you can fill out for a Tom Cantor devotional verse and also to send a Jewish person a free gift. Or you can call us at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Once again, it's 1-800-247-3051. Call us today to get a free gospel gift to a lost Jewish person. Or again, friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow.